Hello, welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Round the Outside. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Lots to talk about in today's episode. Um, I summarise and wrap up what's been an emphatic series win for England against New Zealand and 3-0 whitewash. I uh, give my re- review and thoughts on the Canadian F1 Canadian Grand Prix and also look at um, some... Pretty sad news in English cricket, which I'm going to talk about currently right now. So, just a few hours ago, at the time of recording, it was announced that Owen Morgan would be not only just stepping down as England captain in white ball formats, but he would be retiring and um, he would stop playing, basically, um, any form of cricket. Um, It's sad news. It's... Really, really sad. It's really hard to take in. Um, as a fan, um, growing up as an England fan, the main the main person we were talking about is Owen Morgan, and I was lucky enough to watch England under Morgan go under all the change that's happened and everything. Um, and a different brand of cricket, because Owen Morgan has his own way, his own brand of cricket, and it's his team, um, which is the most important thing of being a successful team, and that's exactly what he did, you know. He brought, you know, so much new, new players in. Like, in 2015, before that, obviously, I took over uh, from Alistair Cook as the one-day captain, which is the main sort of revolution that he did as a captain, Um so, he came in, um, and before that, we were seeing test players get rewarded with a one-day cap and T20 caps. But Owen Morgan uh, came in and said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to do it my own way, and I have some play- I have my own players in mind that are going to succeed. Step in, Joss Butler, Jason Roy, Alex Hales, um, who else was joined, Sam Billings. Root was obviously there before. Stephen Finn. Uh, there's like so many more. Johnny Bairstow. All these new guys coming in. Um, and at the start, we were all thinking, well, who are these guys? You know, like, it's very unfamiliar. But then after that, give it to three or four years and look where we are now. World Cup, uh, world champions. And... I know a lot of people say they oh England tied the World Cup, you know, but I think in it overall in that tournament I think England were the ones that, that probably deserved to win it. Um, they were the best ODI team in the world after all, so they definitely deserved to be world champions. And New Zealand obviously deserved to be um, world champions as well. But I think England, I think we're just a, a, the better ODI one day team, um, and yeah. It it, it kind of just it was testament to what Morgan had done in those four years, and it yeah we're gonna miss him. We're definitely gonna miss him as a captain, as a player. He was an incredible player. Don't take don't take that away from him. He was an incredible captain, but he was an even better player. Um, he had a skill mindset. He was a massive hitter. Um, what was it seventeen sixes in that game against um Afghanistan in the World Cup. 148 of 72 balls, I think it was. Um, but, yeah, it was... I mean, I, I 
I think it was just I think I was pretty shocked to be honest. I, I backed him. I definitely I definitely backed him to carry on, continue, keep going and I, I knew he would be able to get a score, but obviously as you get older your hand eye coordination start to deteriorate, you know, you start to lose that confidence and start to lose that confidence to the fact that you can go back and get more results. So yeah. Obviously very sad for Morgan, um, but now I'm going to talk about the future of this team because it's the perfect time, I think, for him to resign. He's always been a team player. So now he's got, I think we've got about four, it's that World Cup in about October, November. So in Australia, now we've got to find some replacements for him. So I'm being honest, I don't see anyone else apart from Josh Butler uh, being one-day captain or anti twenty captain seems like the best option, isn't he? So, I'm going with him, and I think he will thrive under Matthew Mark. And then, my vice captain. Now, a lot of people are saying, give it to Stokes, isn't he? Best, best, probably the best leader in that squad. I think otherwise. I think that they should give it to Liam Livingston, purely because of the fact that I've seen him play. Uh, I've seen him captain Birmingham Phoenix on all those teams. I've seen him captain before, and he's a very, very good captain. He's a great leader on the pitch, on the um, on the field, and he's also someone who you would pretty much back to go out and win a game in a situation. He has an X factor about himself, so I'd much rather have Stokes focus on the Test captaincy and be a white ball player as well. Can't be play all three formats with focus on Test cricket. And the test captaincy. Yeah, but then, then you'd also say, why would you have him in the team? Because Ben Stokes is Ben Stokes. You need Ben Stokes in, in that team because he is someone who could change the game um, uh, even with ball, bat, or even in the field. So you've got to have Stokes in. And also Mo and Ali. I think pressure's been on him at late, but I would prefer for him to be a little bit more Without the captaincy, less pressure on him because when we've seen that he has the captaincy, he has tended to struggle. So I would much, yeah, much rather have Butler of Liam Livingston as a as a vice captain for those reasons. He'd be he'd work well with just Butler, I think. So moving on um, to a Canadian Grand Prix, um, I think that. Obviously, yes, it was a it was a great, great race, but I felt it was just the nostalgia that took over me for me because one of the main things that was really sort of rewarding about that Grand Prix is because we got so many new things. Like Alonso was on the front row, um, Schumacher P P six, Magnussen P five. You know, wet qualifying it set up pretty good. We we're going to see a mixed up grid. However. That soon deteriorated. Uh, Haas virtually had pretty much a double DNF. Um, Schumacher, uh, Schumacher had a power unit failure, we think, uh, on what would have been his first point in Formula 1. Uh, Kevin Magnussen had an incident and he dropped down, way down the order. Alonso also dropped down the order. I think he just struggled with tire life or something. Um, in the end, El Plan turned into El Payne and... Yeah, he finished P9 due to penalties, so that was a shame. Uh, George Russell had a very good, uh, 
he didn't have a great qualifying, although he did opt for slicks. Um, but, however, he did have a good recovery in the race, got past the Hasses and the Alpines to continue his streak of finishing in the top five of every race this season. Um, speaking of Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton was back, hope not back this today, that, that, that weekend, sorry, but he came back in some good, in some good style. He picked up a very well-deserved podium after a brilliant work qualifying in, on the Saturday, but yeah, it was only enough for P3, but he drove like an absolute champion, um, in the race. And, yeah, thoroughly deserved for him. feel so happy for him. I'll give him a lot of confidence going to Silverstone this weekend. Carlos Sainz, however, started P3 and then, lucky with the safety car, got a little bit closer to Max, uh, which allowed him to really, really, like, have a chance of him actually winning the race and put pressure on Max. Uh, but, yeah, Max dom- dominated throughout the whole race. He never really looked like he was going to have any sort of mistakes and lose that race. So, yeah. Fair play to Max. Extends his championship lead to about 46 points over his teammate, Sergio Perez. And now on to Silverstone. Hopefully, Max gets some redemption for last year. But if, in, if I'm being totally honest, I would love to see um, a, a Mercedes fight back at Silverstone. Because it's about time. Also, speaking of F1 news, uh, Oscar Piastri, in one of the worst-kept secrets in Formula 1, Oscar Piastri will be driving for Alpine at Silverstone in FP1 and FP2, um, as some reports suggest. And he is set to replace Nicholas Latifi. We don't know when, but it's a matter of of when, not if. So... Um, now I'm going to talk about what has been an incredible series for English cricket. Um, a pretty long analysis now, the third test between England and New Zealand. Um, so, started off on a pretty flat wicket. New Zealand win the toss, they decide to bat. And England already looking the game. Um, by the end of day one, New Zealand are 180, well, 200 odd for five. Uh, but then it was Mitchell and Bundle that stole the show. Dal Mitchell got yet another 100 in the series and went on to get to 500 runs to the series in the second innings. Um, so, and that performance, you shouldn't be losing 3-0. Um, you shouldn't be on the losing side with that performance. So, incredibly gutted for Dal Mitchell, but it is what it is, I guess. Um, Jamie Overton picked up his first test wicket, uh, nicking off Devon Conway. And yeah, all this set pretty good, pretty good start for England on a pretty flat wicket. So New Zealand might have had a little bit of a missed opportunity there, but then England did what England did best, I guess. Um, yet another batting collapse, dropping to fifty-five for six, and were in massive danger of even having, uh, get having being followed on, I guess. So. In step, Jamie Overton on test debut with Johnny Bairstow. And Bairstow led the show from there. They were both absolutely incredible. Um, Jamie Overton, unfortunately, on day three, just falling agonisingly short of a maiden test hundred. However, Johnny Bairstow, 
he did well, Johnny Besto does best. He got his test 100 on day two and went on to score 162, leading for leading England to have a first innings lead of, I think it was 29? I'm not sure. But England having a first innings lead of, of 31. And then, yeah, they England definitely didn't look in, in the game for quite a bit of time as um, Williamson and Latham combined and when they joined forces they looked like the old uh Williamson and Latham just absolutely tearing England apart with the bat and New Zealand's top order they really have struggled for runs throughout this whole series. But yeah, Jamie Overton came in, first ball out of T, Latham nicked off and then yeah they they had a pretty big downfall but then Mitchell and Bundle joined forces and did what Mitchell and Bundle do best. Had another massive had another massive partnership, brought New Zealand massively into the game, and you could say pretty much ahead of the game actually. Uh, but Jack Leach took a five took ten in the match to halt the progress, check that progress, and then it brought um, England to need two hundred and ninety six to win, which didn't go to the great start. Greatest start with Alex Lees getting run out with a pretty lazy dismissal. Uh, brilliant awareness from New Zealand. And then Zach Corley with a leading edge to mid off uh, off Michael Bracewell. So in steps Joe Root and Ollie Pope, who go on to make a hundred a hundred run partnership and set up the grain brilliantly for day five, which was free entry by the way, free entry for tickets. And then they, I mean, they just didn't stop, didn't they? After on day five, I mean, even though Ollie Pope got out on the. In the first over of the day, to an absolute beauty from Tim Saudi, he's now uh, cemented his place at number three. And then in stepped Johnny Bairstow, who finished it off in style with a six, getting about a quick sixty odd. And then England with Basball in play and a brilliant attacking style of cricket, as Rob Key and Ben Stokes said, they won the series three 0 and were deserved winners in the end. So a couple of takeaways from this series are that, you know, England have got a new style of cricket. Uh, Stokes now has his team um, under his, like, un- they're under his wing. They said, where would you skip? We're going to go every step of the way with you. And then we're going to go on this, like, massive journey all, to get- all together and it's going to be a pretty fun ride. We're going to try, go, try and get the fans back and supporting us, and what will be, will be. So then, um, obviously coming up against New Zealand, Mitchell and Blundell, their middle up there, they pretty much saved New Zealand throughout the whole series. They scored about 47% of their runs, and yeah, without them, New Zealand would have been absolutely hopeless this series. I don't think you can really convince me otherwise. I mean, England have got Joe Root batting around 90 um, averaging about 90, sorry. Pope averaging about 50. And then New Zealand have five batters who are bat- averaging over 20. Just over 20. And that's not good enough. They need they, they will know that. And they've now lost four tests on the bounce in a row. Gary Stead definitely in the hot seat for New Zealand. And, yeah, selection problems are definitely massive. Because in, obviously... In the first test, they picked Ajaz Patel on a pretty Seema-friendly wicket. Um, and 
you could see how by how much Parkinson struggled for England. And then, yeah, he, Patel only bowled two overs and he got actually smashed around by Ben Stokes. They didn't bowl him well and that was probably Williamson's fault. Second test, they dropped Patel, bring in Henry um, and they put Henry in over Wagner on a pretty flat Treadbridge wicket. And we all know that Neil Wagner is the man that can get you wickets on a on a flat wicket because Neil Wagner is not a good, he's not a good test bowler. He's it's a good bowler on those flat on those flatter wickets, and he can get you wickets. He can be a sort of exciter. So then, on a flat wicket, um, here at Headingley, where Leach gets a ten for, and it's a pretty spin friendly wicket. Considering that, they drop Ajay Patel. And they bring Michael Bracewell in, who is is an okay spinner, but look how he got treated by England. I think this game got taken away by them, but obviously at Lords, they had chances with the no ball from Colin de Grandhomme. And yeah, New Zealand have had their opportunities, but they've really misfired. And I think that England deserve to win this. So yeah, they deserve to win that season, that series, and. Looking forward, we've got a British Grand Prix this weekend and England will play next on on the 1st of July against India where Rohit Sharma's hope, Jasper Bumrah's men actually, uh, will lead, will be led out to play against England who are in pretty good form. Speaking of, you might have heard that Jasper Bumrah is leading England, you might be thinking, why is he, why is he leading? Well, Rohit Sharma has tested positive for COVID-19 and it is suggested that he will not be playing the first the first test the test match between England and India. Um so Jasper Brummer has been uh, selected to lead the side and Mike Agarwal has been flown over to be Rohit's replacement. Um that's the only news we know though. However, uh, we are expecting more on the Indian team selection and England team selection. So that'll come in the next couple of days. And also, I'm gonna I'm gonna now tell you my predicted eleven for the final test against India. So I'm expecting that it'll be the same. It'll be Lee's Alex Lee's to bat uh, to open, and then Ben Compton will come in to replace Zach Crawley. Uh, Ollie Pope and Root will keep at three and four. They'll stay at three and four, and then um, I think that Harry Brook will come in for Ben Folks because he's currently ill with COVID. I don't think they'll play Ben Folks. I don't want them to risk it, so I prefer for Brook to be at five, and then I'd uh, see Johnny at seven, and then Stokes six. Obviously, he's, Stokes is really thriving in that in that position, and then I'd have Besto keeping at seven. And then my bowlers, I'm going to have, at number eight, I'm going to have, probably it's probably going to be the same, isn't it? So, I would have, maybe, I think Jack Leach, Jack Leach at number number eight, or uh, Broad at eight. I think, actually, no, I'm going to have Stuart Broad number eight. I'm going to have Leach nine, and then Potts ten, Anderson eleven. They'll, they'll sort out, because... That it's a pretty it's a it's a tail. Uh, I think Leach might about eight, but whatever they'll figure it out. So my only change is that folks will come out and Brooke will play. They might play Billings, but I prefer them to play Harry Brooke. So that's where we're going to end it off for today's podcast. Um, 
I hope you enjoyed this one, and yeah, I look forward to seeing you next time. So it's for now. It's goodbye from me.